0: Heretics and Welcome to uh, another episode of In the Abyss. Uh, this week it's myself and I welcome back favourite hitter of things, Bean. Um, can't stay away. It's, just, it's almost like well and truly part of the furniture now. Um, this week, we um privileged this week because we've got David Gregor from Mortar's Gold with us. All the way from, uh, whereabouts are you now? Uh, I'm, I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah. So you're, yeah, you're, you're a long, long way away. So, um, absolutely. You know, thanks for, uh, thanks those for coming on and joining us. It's, um, it's, uh, it's an honor for us because, you know, it's not very often we get to talk to someone who's been in the game for, for as long as you guys have. And, you know, it's a, an absolute belt of a new album just come out. So yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on and giving us your time. Well,
1: thanks for having us, man. Appreciate it.
0: Yes. Yeah, it's, um, yeah we'll, we'll talk straight about the new album, uh, Creation Undone. So it's Sunday night as we're recording and it just came out on Friday and um, we had it for a, for a couple of weeks and we're both under the same opinion. We absolutely fucking love it. I'm really fussy when it comes to death metal, but this one, you know, it, it definitely clicked kind of thing. So um, tell us a little bit about it and, and how it's all come about and, and the recording and the writing, all of that. Just give us the sort of the general gist of, of the new record.
1: Sure. Uh, Well, the record's kind of, you know, kind of we've been writing it over the past three years and uh, just kind of on and off. And uh, we were working with a a different guitar player uh, for a while. Uh, Things didn't work out. And then uh, Scott came back to the band and it kind of really just started with him coming to uh, a rehearsal day that we weren't rehearsing. So he came to rehearse on the wrong day and uh, they were like, hey, can you make it? I was like, no, I, I got something going on. And then uh, Scott and Eric started writing what became the song Painful Conflict. And they started writing. They got about halfway. And then the next week, uh, I, when, when we all got together for practice, it was like, wow, this is kind of different. Because usually we would go through all the older songs or maybe go through the set first and then start writing material. And what we did this time is we just started off fresh and we just started writing new material. And it seemed to keep us just more organic Uh, more fresh, uh, more, uh, just more excited. Uh, We had more energy. So that's really how the record kind of really kind of started clicking for us. And I'd say most of these songs, I'd say about 85% of the songs, maybe even 90% are maybe a year old, if that. Um, So we kind of went through a lot of like phases uh, uh, three years ago of starting to write. We didn't like a lot of some of the stuff we were writing. So we scrapped a bunch of stuff. And then once, painful conflict started we were like wow like this is really cool like we think we're on to something so uh yeah just really hammered away just really you know try to be as productive as possible every rehearsal take advantage of all the time we had um there were a lot of riffs that just came up at practice too because we do write as a band and there were a lot of mistakes like i just come up with a riff and hey oh i like that let's use that and i'm like really you want to use that i was just goofing around and you know so a lot of it was goofing around and and some of it was more thought out um and then as we started, uh, as we started progressing in the songs, uh, you know, we had booked studio time with uh, Chris DeJurek in Bell City uh, in Racine, uh, Wisconsin. Booked time with him. Uh, got in with him. Uh, I think it was like maybe, and we only, we only recorded on the weekends. So I think it was like maybe six weekends, maybe seven weekends uh, it took to, to, to finish the record. And once the record was done, we, we uh, shipped it off to David Terrell, uh and uh, at Flatline Audio for Mastering. And he just, yeah, he just knocked it out of the park, man. I was just like, I don't even think it took us a week to go, like, yep, okay, this is this is where we're at, you know, this is this is what we want, and then, uh, yeah, and then we just kind of just kept the ball rolling, and you know, everything was submitted to Peaceville, and you know, here we are today. A record came out on Friday, and I I, I could be happier. It, it it definitely, you know, I've got this is this will be my seventh record that I've done, and usually I know bands, oh, it's our best, it's our best, and it's like I don't, I try not to say that because you know i i'm too close to it but i really do feel this is our best i i <laughs> i'm going to sound cliche but um I, I really do i really do and and not only from my standpoint but just the fans and the reviews we're getting and just everything pouring in it's just been nothing but positive so uh, i'm very happy and I, I appreciate guys like yourself your support and the fan support for uh making this record uh ho- hopefully album of the year hopefully who knows
2: it's, it's a great sounding album you know it's you made something you talked about was the energy <clears throat> you know writing as a band that really comes across you know it's got that you know it's an intense album the intensity is there but underneath it all you it sounds like a band you know just great sounds you can hear there's there's movement in there uh you know it pushes it pulls it has that swing to it um and that's that's cool that's for me that's what that's what um that's what sets it above you know a lot of other stuff out there.
1: Yeah, I was talking to I was talking to Chris the other night, our you know our studio guy, you know because yeah, we're we're fr- we're friends outside of business, we're friends, and he's like, man, he's like, we just all must have pushed the right buttons at the right time, huh? And I go, must have happened, I said, because I've been doing this for thirty years, and I'm like, you know, and you do a record and you hope it does well, um, like our last record, Suffered for nothing, unfortunately, I felt was a good record, um, I don't feel like it did very well, and I don't know if it's because of the the COVID times and when it came out, uh, you know, versus like. You know where we're at now, um, but I really feel that was a really decent record, and it really kind of didn't didn't really go very far. Um, so this record, I'm, I'm hoping we get to kind of redeem ourselves a little bit, and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, move 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 a lot further down the line with this record. I
2: think yeah, I before... you make a good. A good point there about you know the the timing of that that last record and when it came out in COVID time and I guess everyone's attention is elsewhere people are worried about other things of course you can't tour the record either no you know so that so promotion is is limited there but um I would say you know um Creation Undone as there is something in that production sound like you said it just sounds a little bit more sophisticated there's something else going on there it's like to my ears it sounds um it's kind of leaner it's the the image i've got in my head when i listen to it it's like a like a a boxer at the peak of his performance you know he'll break your jaw but he's but on his feet as well you know there's movement nice
1: yeah like i said i think just the stars aligned and the chemistry was there and you know i i don't know if it was just because of the way we wrote the record this time instead of like expending our energy and focusing on you know set songs or you know songs we already wrote for the record we just kind of went for it each each rehearsal was like a fresh a fresh rehearsal so we just you know kind of went for it and some of the songs came together really quick you know some were like one or two rehearsals some were you know three maybe four but it definitely was a a smoother writing process and i feel like it was definitely uh it was more exciting than the previous uh writing processes that we've done
0: I think the point you make about COVID as well is an interesting one. Cause we you know we're still talking about it, even though it feels like it was a lifetime ago, but right. now is a great time to be getting music out, especially in, in metal because like every Friday there's like fucking 50, 60, 70 releases and there's a real sort of buzz and excitement. And it feels like everything has come out of COVID and like, right. It's fucking lay down another marker now and, and, and let's, you know, do what we do well. And, and that's, Yeah, it makes total sense. You get that feeling from this album, opportunity to get out, tour it, and really hit it hard.
1: Right, right. And and well, you kind of hit it on the head. There's so much coming out now. I mean, compared to like three, maybe even ten years ago, there wasn't as many bands. So there's definitely a lot of stuff coming out, and there's a lot of competition. And you know, so to speak. Uh, And you know, I I kind of feel like "Suffer for Nothing" kind of got lost. I feel like, you know, I feel like I like mailed it to somebody and it got lost in the mail somewhere, you know, and (laughs) it's really too bad because we we really we really we really worked hard on that record, too. But this record, for some reason, I just feel everything just kind of came together at the right time. The chemistry, uh, just everything we were doing and and it was nothing conscious. I just think it just like I said, it was just everything was being pressed at the same time and at the right moment. And, you know, we we came up with this and very, very proud of it, very proud of this record
2: cool well look for what it's worth um about uh <clears throat> suffer for nothing that was my stepping on point with you guys so I, that got oh. that record got passed around amongst some friends of mine so that's where i kind of first heard you oh and nice you kind of went backwards from there and obviously been anticipating this this new record so you know um it, it wasn't wasted you know i
1: oh that, that's good to hear because like i said there's a lot of really good songs in there um we we still play dead weight a lot which is probably one of my favorites off of there and uh uh, I know for the upcoming, <clears> have <throat> got a couple of small runs coming up here. We're going to be playing a couple of new songs. Uh, and and yeah, that was really hard to do because a lot of, hey, can you play the whole Dying Remains record? And it's kind of like, you know, I've been, we've been we, were, we were asked that last year sometime. And I really thought about, it. I thought, man, that would be really cool to do. But I'm like, there's so many bands doing that. You know, like, yeah, we're playing this record in its entirety. And then this record. And I thought, I don't know, man. You know, it's like we, w- w- with the lineup I have now, We've progressed so much since the first or second record and all that. And so right. I know coming from the current band lineup, they want to play the songs they're involved with, you know what I mean? Or that they recorded. Not not that they don't or dislike playing the other songs, because that's not the case. But it's just, you know, hey, we were a part of this. We really want to play this. So we, we really are trying to focus on, um, uh, you know, at least – at least one song, you know, from Wounds, and then we'll have a song from Suffer, and then we definitely want to play a couple of new songs uh, off of this new record, which I, I you know, I told the, the 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 guys that were going to be uh, the promoters, bookers, whatever you want to call them, and I said, "Nah, no. I said, we got to play a couple of these new songs. I said, this record is, I'm very proud of it, and I, I, I feel like we'd, do a, we'd be doing the fans a disservice if we didn't at least play a couple new songs.
2: Yeah, you know, and it, it comes back to that idea of all, all that energy you've captured, you know, and keeping that alive for you on stage. Yeah. Um, showing off your, you know, new material.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's, it's like, it's crazy. Cause I mean, we were in the UK last year and <clears throat> I, I, uh, <laughs> people ask me like what, you know, I mean, you know, years ago we, we, we opened for Slayer in our hometown and, you know, we've supported a lot of, a lot of the bigger bands in town. Uh, but going over to Europe and being part of the, uh, the UK death fest was like, I don't know, man, it, it, it took me back to being a teenager because I'm running around with all these bands that I've either played with before or that I used to write to or whatever, and I was running into all these bands in, in the U.K., and I'll tell you, that was such a blast. And I've always – our label's located in the U.K., so I've never – in the 30 years I've been doing this, I've never been to the U.K., so it was like a bucket list dream for me. And wow. we are trying our hardest to come back – over, but you know the economy everywhere is just doing so horrible that yeah. we're you know we're having troubles finance wise. But I'm really hoping that <clears throat> once this record starts catching on a little more, that maybe it might turn some more heads and maybe yeah. come back over. Because man, I had I had a blast in the UK, man. I I just had it just just a bucket list for me, bucket list.
0: We are we are finding yeah. that that you know certainly bands from the US that want to come to Europe now after Brexit, it's either UK or Europe, and it's now rarely both because it just doesn't marry up anymore. And, and you're right. You can never, you, you, whereas you used to be able to do 20, 30, 40 dates in the UK and across Europe, that's now a very, that's a hard thing to achieve. So yeah. it's just putting people off and it is, it sucks. It fucking sucks for us. I, you know, I, I was working with this one guy and I said, Hey, I don't even care if
1: I come over for five shows. I said, I just want to come over to the UK and kick some ass and have fun with the fans. I mean, The fan and I and I'm not knocking the U.S. fans because U.S. fans are awesome too, but the U.K. fans just, you
2: know,
1: and we're we're not huge, you know, we're not some, you know, we're not whatever band you want to, you know, we're not Cannibal Corpse and all that stuff. But when we came over, we had like several people like follow us around, and they were like, "Hey, do you mind if we get lunch with you? And you mind if we hang out?" We're like, "No, this is great." And they were just the nicest people. And uh, I think even after the uh, after the festival, there was an after party. At some bar uh, down the street, I think from the underground, I think it was called. And um, it was just amazing. I'm like, wow, like this is great. Like the the pub was packed and they're playing every death metal song you can think of. And just these, it it's just amazing. It was just such a great time. I mean, I, I just loved every minute of it man it was it was it was a blast
0: there's a there's a fucking there's a real hunger for it here at the minute there's a strong oh, yeah. UK death metal scene growing at the moment as well there's mm-hmm. loads of great bands coming up in the uk so it's almost like kids of you know that when we were there in the 90s at that kind of age 15 16 they're discovering all these new death metal bands and they're local and it's really yeah cool you know yeah
1: i, I get a kick of it when like i don't know i I was interviewed a couple of weeks ago by this one guy and he's like, yeah, I'm like 22 or 23. And he's like, I, I just found out about you guys like five years ago. And I was just like, wow. Like, that's just so incredible because a lot of our fan base, you know, they're older now, you know, they're in their fifties and, you know, might have kids or maybe moved on from the music or maybe don't even listen to it anymore, you know? And I think that's what's so unique about this music when you're in it, and you're you're a fan or you're you're a musician that plays it and you're committed to it you you never leave it you don't leave it you eat it you breathe oh, yeah. it you sleep it you know and my my girlfriend can attest to this she's like you're always thinking of the band all the time 24/7 she's like i can't sometimes even get you to come back down to earth because you're always trying to think of like what's the next move you know what's the next move or what can we try to do next or you know what can we do and and it, it's just, it's just passion. You got to have the passion. You got to have the drive, but yeah, the fans, you can, especially the younger kids now, they're, they're definitely hungry for it. And, uh, well, we, we got a new record for them. So. Well, I'm
0: 43 and I've only recently discovered you guys and I'm happy, happier for it. So nice.
2: You know, No, hey, you you're know. never,
1: you're never too old. You're never too oh, old, God. man. I'm 50, I'm 57. So.
2: So you mentioned, um, Peacefield as well, being based in the UK. Yeah. So how did you guys hook up then?
1: You know, Man, about oh god! So about 30 years ago, it was like 1990, well, well, 89, 90. Um, I, I had I was going in the studio with, with, with the band I was with at the time, and things just weren't, weren't they weren't working out. So we made a lineup change. I got thrown into being the vocalist, which I had never done before, and um, we went in the studio with Eric Reif, um, who used to manage Obituary and Death, and uh, we went in with him. And we cut a demo called Gory Departure. And and that was just at the time where tape trading was just really booming. And I think I might have sent off maybe, what, I don't know, two, three tapes, maybe tops. I sent to these guys for, like, a review or something. And it just was like wildfire. Like, they dubbed it for their friend, and then their friend dubbed it for their friend. And, like, all of a sudden, everybody's dubbing this tape. And it's just, I guess, going nuts. And so within, like, three or four months, we we, I had a line, another lineup changed and we wanted to go in and do another demo. And so I went in with the, and we went with Eric again, and that was the Prolong the agony demo. And we went in with that demo. And then all of a sudden, like as soon as that demo came out and it started just spreading like wildfire, um, we got a call from uh, Johnny at deaf records, which was a subsidiary of Peaceville. And I'll never forget it. It was like three in the morning, I think, or something like that. Wow. And I was, you know, we were living at, we were living in the band house and, uh, my bass player's mom is like, hey, there's a phone call from you from uh from the UK. And I'm like, what? She <laughs> goes, Yeah, it's some guy who wants to talk to you. And uh, he's like, Hey, my name's Johnny. I, I run a label called Deaf Records, subsidiary of Peaceful Records. Um, we noticed your your demos just everywhere. And we really would like to sign you to a record deal. And I was like, Wow, that's this is this is a, a dream come true. Cause I you know, I always told everybody because my family was never very supportive. They still aren't. Uh, I always told them. I said, "I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put an album out." And they're, oh yeah, diamond dozen and whatever this. And I said, "No, no, no. I'm gonna put a record out. I'm telling you." So when Johnny called, I was like, "This is, this is awesome." And then basically we, uh, we, we had another lineup change, uh, and that's when Kent Truck Broad drummer, came in, and he just kind of came in and kind of raised the bar uh, with his drumming. And we just started writing a lot of songs. Um, And we were really influenced by a lot of the UK bands and uh, the Peaceville roster, uh, 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 My Dying Bride and uh, uh, Paradise Lost and Autopsy and, you know, and Bolt Thrower and just all these amazing bands. And so we really loved that whole Europe movement and just the sound and feel of it. And I think it just came, that's how it kind of came about. And uh, so the first record came out on Deaf Records and then, Def records I, I I don't think I don't know if they went under what happened they went away and then we were really fortunate enough where Peaceful's like hey we're gonna keep two bands off of the deaf roster and you're one of them and we were like oh that's cool and that's just really how it started and then from there we went on to do as humanity fades and then for all eternity to complete the the contract that we signed with them
2: right well it's great to hear you mention my dying bride there because I was listening to to the your new album today and the stuff you're doing with the harmonics on the guitar they're just i was like where have i heard that before and it was turn loose the swans there's uh, you know oh
1: oh, that's a great that's a great song yeah
2: and but i can hear it in you know in the record you just put out i can hear it's all in there so yeah well you know
1: yeah and i think it's kind of a weird thing too because i've been i've been hearing a lot of that like a lot of people are saying that they're hearing a lot of elements of uh thrash and death metal and black metal and I was like, wow, that's really cool, because it was definitely nothing that was predetermined. It was nothing that we set out to do. I think it's just stuff that just came out of us naturally. Um, you know, and and, and I kind of wanted, you know, we really were like, you know, in the past records, we were scared to do some things. Like, oh, we don't want to do that. That sounds too much like this band. And on this record, we were like, you know what? Who cares? If, if that sounds like a certain band, then that's like us paying homage to them uh, without like... I guess exactly copying the riff or taking the riff, you know, and making it your own. Uh, we just were like, you know, oh yeah, like you said, pinch harmonic. I'm like, oh, I really like those, you know, like Immolation. They do a lot of those. And I was like, oh, that'd be cool to kind of do one. And I think we were even listening to that record at rehearsal. And I was like, yeah, I said, that'd be really cool to throw one of those in there. So I think we just kind of really took what we really liked and just some of our influences and we tried to kind of mix it in there, but yet not make it to the point where it's like, oh, okay. This is, you know, that sounds like so and so, you know, of course. Or, yeah. You know, you yeah. guys rip so and so off. And it's like, no, it's not the case.
0: Yeah, uh, fuck that. I mean, at the end of the day, everything goes goes all the way back to the blues. And we've had always had a thing on this podcast, certainly between me and Bean, that you know, if if there is that you still got the roots of the blues, it doesn't matter how brutal the music gets, having that and having songs, you know, because death metal can be heavy and fast and brutal. But if you've got no songs, it just bores me shitless. You know, yeah. those patterns got to be, too. be songs you
1: know? right or right or like patterns uh yeah. like guitar patterns like yeah. well of i course. i don't want to write a pentatonic i want to write this but it's like no matter how how hard you try to be different you're still in some kind of pattern
0: yeah it's still
1: yeah. falling into some kind of pattern so yeah i completely agree with you on that and it's like I, I think people just write what you write what you love man i mean because i think if you force it and it's something you don't I think the fans see that you know so yeah. you really have to write what you love and what comes out the best for you but don't don't overthink it exactly <laughs> yeah. and yeah. that's something we didn't do on this record we were like we like something we rolled with it you know and and we really tried to make sure that the songs were were able to breathe too i didn't mm-hmm. want to just throw vocals over stuff to throw vocals over stuff because there are a couple of spots and a couple of different songs where i'm like oh man i'm like i could totally put a vocal line there and i'm like but i kind of really want to save it for this part because I think it'll make it more impactful, but then it kind of gives the music, uh, the song a little bit uh, area to breathe. And I always have this saying that I've used for years is I like to serve the song. So I like to serve the song. And if the song calls for a solo, it does, if it doesn't, then it doesn't. So I think once the song kind of comes to life, it it'll tell you, it'll tell you what it wants. It'll tell you what it doesn't want.
0: Yeah. That's, that's what it's, it's just nice to hear you know, that everything just, just comes naturally when, you know, that you can overthink. There's certain types of, of heavy music that that winds me up sometimes. It pisses me off when I listen to it because it just thinks, I don't know, maybe this is music for musicians or something. People are just doing it just to show off. Right. And, things like that. and I, I've always, always hated that. And it's just great to hear that it's just a natural process. You you know, you guys have been doing this for fucking years, Yet Yeah. When it's organic and it hits the nail on the head, which yeah. this album definitely does. It works.
1: Yeah. Well, and you have to play to your strengths too. You know, you can't play to your weaknesses. So you have to really just focus on what you're good at. And, um, I, I just, I, and I feel all of us are really good at what we do. And I think just as a culmination and all of us coming together, uh, in the, in the songs, it just obviously it, you know, it shows and, and the production too. I mean, we're really like, I know on the last album, I really wasn't happy with the guitar tones. I really wanted something a little different. So, I've changed rigs since then. And with my new rig, I, we went in and we were trying different. We were like, we plugged it in with my cabinet. And I'm like, Oh, this is going to sound like a million bucks, you know? And Chris is like, Oh, I, I don't, it doesn't sound good. And I'm like, wow, that's so strange. I said, that's what I use live, you know? And we tried a bunch, we tried a bunch of different heads and a bunch of different cabinets. And then really what it was, we found the one magic cabinet that worked with my rig. And I'm like, this is it. This is the tone. This, this is, I love this tone. This this is what we're going to stick with.
2: Yeah, so, what is it? Tone. Is it giving away too much of a secret to what what you're playing through?
1: I, I right now I have uh, a Seymour Duncan power amp. So the power stage seven hundred. So that's where all my power comes from. And then honestly, I use a cheap Zoom three GN preamp pedal. Right. Yeah. That's it. That's all I use. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a diesel. The diesel patch, I think it is. Yeah, it's a diesel patch um and uh you know that that was a that's really the ironic thing is I never wanted to go that route and my buddy Tim Byer uh he's in a band called Dusk and they they he started using this setup and when he was playing with us and I was like man I mean we must have went through six months of changes and adjustments and you know every time we come to Russell I'm like yeah I really don't like that and I'm not very technical guy I like knobs that I can turn you know and if yeah. I can't get a tone dialed in in five minutes, I'm, I'm like, next. Uh, so we spent quite a few months on getting this tone. And uh, every week I'd come to yeah, I don't like this. Can we change this? Can we change that? So there was a lot of tweaking of it. But I mean, honestly, it's the preamp pedal itself is under $200. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And for me to get the tone I got, I'm like, forget about it, man. You know, because, you know my buddies are like, Oh, you should get a fractal FM three and you should get a, uh, uh, what's the other one? Um, the lunchbox and all. And I'm like, I just can't see spending a thousand to $2,000. I, I only have one tone anyways that I need. And to me, it's just kind of overkill, but for some reason that power amp and that zoom just really works well together.
2: Yeah. it's good. I mean, it's one of the things I've written down here. I've just toned in big letters, you know, it sounds great <laughs> on the record. It, it it, yeah. it, it, it just does. I'm thinking about, um, but aside from the music, um, like lyrically, what's happening? Because, you know, I'm looking at song titles like Soul Piercing Sorrow, Self Destructive Emotions. What's going into that? You know?
1: Yeah. Um, well, as we all know, you know, you know, we had some dark times in the past couple of years. And uh, I just, I, you know, I really think, well, I should say I think, I know, it affected all of us. It affected mm. all of us. Yeah. I don't, I've yet to come up to one person to say to me, like, I'm unscathed. It didn't do anything to me. I'm still the same person I was three years ago. Yeah. And I've noticed that with a lot of people, close friends of mine, relatives, family members. Um, everybody's kind of changed a little bit in their own in their own perspective. And um, I just think it was one of those things that we were all in it together. And it just kind of affected us differently. And I wanted to write about that. Um I know with soul piercing sorrow, I know, uh, Eric's, uh, Eric house, our drummer, his grandpa was going through, uh, dementia and it was like, wow. Like I had just met his grandpa, like maybe a year or two before this and, you know, just really nice guy. And, um, I, I had, I had the, the, uh, the opportunity we were driving, we were driving somewhere, his, um, his mom does these paintings and uh, she gave us a couple paintings to hang up in our house and we're transporting them. And I was sitting up in the front seat. His name is Joe. And um, it's like he, he just he didn't he didn't really know where we were going. He didn't know really who I was. Mm. And it just really saddened me to see that. Um, and I wanted to write about it. And uh, that's pretty much all I, I always write about what I experience in my lifetime. And it could be the simplest thing. It could be a homeless person on the street. It could be a relative of mine. It could be uh, my son. I mean, it could be anything. Um, but if I feel strongly about something emotionally that moves me, um, I, re- I really want to write about it. And the whole premise of Creation Undone was that I kind of feel like, you know, we were given, you know, God gave us this earth, and I feel like we just, we just pissed all over it, you know. And that's... <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, and that's kind of kind of really what the premise of the record was like we we have this great creation and here we're just kind of like, eh, who cares? Kind of so you know, it it was just uh a lot just a lot of sadness in the past couple of years, you know, a lot of people dying and a lot of people getting sick and stuff. And it was just uh it just it just fueled me to write about it.
0: In the time that um that Mortis Gold were away, then in between, did you stay in stay in the business? Did you stay in the music game or did you take yourself away from it completely? Uh no, I stayed I stayed in the business. Um, we, we, we
1: tried, we tried for like, like, I think at least a good year or two, to, to resurrect the band from 98 to 2000. And we just couldn't find any players, you know, cause at that time the music had changed. Death metal was kind of, you yeah. know, kind of on, on the low end. And even though a lot of bands still stayed, uh, you know, stayed the, 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 what do you call it? Um, stood the test of time, stayed it out, you know, which is great. And I kind of look back and I kind of wish we would have done the same. Uh, but unfortunately I was unable to find people that wanted to play death metal anymore. So I decided to start my own band again from scratch and, um, kind of a little bit more, I didn't want it to be as, as heavy. I wanted it to be a little bit more accessible, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit more radio friendly. And I, and I don't mean like pop radio, but I meant like more like, you know, liquid metal, serious, like kind of that type stuff. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was more of like, uh, if I had to describe, people categorized this as new metal uh, because the vocalist we had would do brutal vocals, but he would also sing as well. Um, I kind of called it like a watered-down fear factory kind of type thing, you know, um, or at least that was the goal in my mind. And uh, so we, I had done that. Oh, God. I think I was, I think that took probably two or three years to get up off the ground. And then we did two records. We signed a deal with rockridge records and we put out a record and then we did like just a real short run and then uh the band kind of had just everybody just kind of had their own idea what they really wanted to do and um i had uh i was fighting for custody uh of my son at the time um so i really wasn't able to tour much and they didn't like it so they decided to kind of go their own way and Right around 2010, I was kind of bandless again. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, why does this keep happening to me? You know, 98, I ended up bandless. I'm bandless again. Um, so at that point, I really, I just, I'm like, okay, another band's gone. I don't know what to do. And uh, Eric Reif, uh had been uh, doing the uh, uh, reissues for Death Through Relapse. And he had contacted me about taking our demos that he had produced with us and putting them on CD. And then basically he's like, hey, why don't we throw out, you know, a compilation on relapse with these songs? And I was like, OK. And that's kind of really how it started for me to to to, to come back to this band and, and kind of resurrect it again.
0: Have you found that there's, um you know, in the two periods of Mortal Skull, how, how, the, how the business has changed? Has it changed for the better or has it changed for the worse?
1: Oh, man. I don't know if the business was any good, period. Uh, I think back in the 90s, I think the business was probably at, at its best, you know, in the 90s. Um, oh, man, that's a good question. I think it's become a lot more difficult, mm-hmm. um, you know, getting uh, getting the budget you need, yeah. uh, getting the right people in place, uh, getting the right promotion, getting the right publicist. Uh, so I find that to be a a little challenging. We've had some really cool opportunities. Uh, so I'm not going to say, you know, poor me or sound like I'm coming off like like an egotistical dickhead or anything. Uh, but no, we've had some cool opportunities. But yeah, as far as like getting on with some major tours, uh, just really hasn't happened for us yet. Um, and, and that's fine too. I I think the tours that we are doing and that we have done have really worked out well for us. And the one thing that I honestly can say about it is... When we do the tours and we're the headliner, if it fails, it's because of us. If it succeeds, it's because of us. So we're not going out, you know, so like when we go on a tour and we're headlining, whether it's with, uh, you know, Mutilatrid or Obscene or Throne, and these are all young and upcoming bands. And we love going out with young and upcoming bands because we love the energy. And But when we we play a show and we're the headliner, And we're playing in front of 50, 60 people. We know that they're, you know, they're there. They're generally there to see us. Um, You know, it's not that we, you know, like when you headline, let's say, for obituary. Well, you know, most of the people are there for obituary and probably a couple of the other bands as well. But we know that when we're playing by ourselves, we know that we're, we're, we are the, you know, they're coming in to see us. And so I think that's the one takeaway that I have is that even though we're, we haven't been on any big major tours, uh, the tours that we have done are special and they're intimate. And, you know, I mean, I, I, some people too, they're like, hey, you know, can I get a picture with you or do I have to pay for it? I'm like, pay for it. <laughs> I'm like, dude, we're, we're so accessible, it's ridiculous. You know what I'm that's saying? That's the world we live in now. Yeah. Well, no we, man, we drink with the fans. We hang out with the fans. And, you know, that's what it's all about. If the fans weren't there... We wouldn't be there, no. so we value our fans very, very highly, and we appreciate their undying support. Man, it's 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 just it it is overwhelming sometimes. You know, when you're at a show and you see this young kid come up and he's like, "Oh, I freaking love your band, and oh, I've been following you for five years or whatever," and this and that, and you're just like, "Wow!" And it just fills me with so much joy. Going, this this kid loves our music. All of the behind the scenes stuff that people don't see. You know, driving to practice, you know, rehearsing for two or three hours, uh, coming home at night after work, uh, you know, rehearsing by myself for an hour or two or writing a song or, you know, you know running to the store to make, you know, set list copies and, and all this stuff and all the work that goes into it. And then you have that one kid that comes up to you or two kids or three or whatever, and it just makes my day. It just it makes it makes what everything that I do uh, just worth it.
0: It's why we're sitting here having this conversation. We were saying this to, to another guest a couple of nights ago, that the reason we're sitting here on a Sunday night talking about heavy metal is but all of that, you know, yeah. no, no other type of music has this. I don't think this, this kind no. of, you know, whatever you want to call it as cheesy as it may be community. I don't know. It's fucking true. Uh, yeah,
1: I would no. I would say that community. That's a, that's yeah. a good word. And I think yeah. it is. I think it's a very tight knit community too. Um, you know, um, it, it it it's it's you know some of it's getting a little a little strange out there. Of course, with the you know the, the social media and all that. But yeah. other than that, I definitely think that it's it's definitely a very solid community, and um, it, it's it's a great genre to be a part of. Yeah, mm. yeah,
0: it, it fucking is. Yeah. What's the um what's the plan now for the next twelve months? The record's out. Um, I'd imagine you'll you'll get out on the road now with you and and, and play. Yeah, we
1: are going out in two weeks uh, with uh, our buddies and Skeletal Remains. Nice. Uh, and uh, we're and then we're bringing a lot. They're bringing along oxygen destroyer with them. Uh, uh, so we're going to do four West Coast dates, and then we come home for I think a week and a half, and then we are going to be going to South America uh, with uh, Malevolent Creation for uh, nice. eight dates. Oh wow! Yeah. So I really trying. I really tried really to get the UK in there, man, but I just could not. Uh, couldn't get any promoters to 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 bring us at this point. So. I'm hoping as this album continues to grow and breathe that hopefully maybe somebody you know with what? the right ears,
2: you <clears throat> I know, because
1: really think... we would, we'd love to come back over to UK.
2: We'd love to have you. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I do genuinely believe this, uh, this new album's going to turn a lot of heads. I really think that, you know, it's, it's I, I, I really hope so because the reviews,
1: the reviews I'm getting, I'm like, holy crap. Like I don't ever remember getting this much press uh, off of this. So I really have to think, you know, sarah and 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 austin and and there's another guy in spain but i don't know his name but those two guys really just putting the press together especially sarah with all the uk press and oh it's all the overseas stuff it's just been amazing and uh i mean you know compared to like suffer for nothing where we were like what happened where (laughs) where it was like it was like the record came out and it was like who like where did like you have a record out you know we're like yeah and like we'd be playing the shows you know like, like you mentioned before you couldn't tour so when we were able to go out, people are like, Oh, you got a new record? And we're like, Oh, we didn't know nothing about that. And I'm like, Yeah, yeah, wow. we got a new record, you know. Um so yeah, I, I I definitely uh I'm really hoping. I'm really hoping. And if not this year, I'm hoping at least next year. But I really am making it a very strong point to come to the UK. So Yeah.
0: What about the um, European festival circuit? Because that's that's a such a huge thing for any band nowadays. This- there's a festival yeah, every weekend in, across Europe now. Well, what's happening with that
1: too is, um, man, with just, with just the, the way of the, the inflation in our economy on, on, on you know, your end, our end, um, we really haven't had as many offers a, as we had in the past two years. Um, so in the last couple of years, we had a lot of different offers. Um, you know, this festival, that festival, um, like I said, we did the UK death fest. We did kill town death fest. um, So what's happening is they're, from what I understand, what I've been told is the promoters are trying to, you know, they're trying to keep Europe bands in Europe, you know, and it's just easier on the budget in that, in that respect. So we have just really had, like I said, a very, and I've reached out to several festivals and we just, they're just not willing to to bring us over right now. The budgets just don't seem to be, where they need to be which is unfortunate because um i i really think that uh i or i shouldn't say think I, w- I would love us to come over to play some more festivals i think it would be awesome
0: i, I don't want to go down too much of a rabbit hole with this but there are mm-hmm. certain things that anger us i mean you look at things now talking about finances you look at things now like ticket prices for instance um mm. obviously it's a completely different scale but we were discussing the pearl jammer playing a couple of stadium shows in the uk and um, the tickets were was well, about 100, 150 pounds for to start with, and then golden yeah. circle standing were over three hundred pounds. Damn! So that yeah. money, well, that's, wherever, yeah. that money is going somewhere. Yeah.
1: Well, you that's know? like Kiss. They were playing somewhere here in the US recently, and somebody told me like a front row ticket was like over a thousand US dollars. And you, I'm like, you're what? Pricing out mm-hmm. normal fans. I don't yeah. I don't get yeah, and I don't get it either. I don't get it either. I don't know why. I mean I get you got there's an overhead, you have to pay bands, you have crew to pay. I get I've done all I've done stage hand work before. I've worked for production, I've worked for big bands before, so I know how it goes, but yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I really think that you know it, it should be affordable. It really should be, you yeah, know. Always. And that, that was one of the reasons why we started a relationship with Peaceville again, because I had a lot of fans saying Hey, we 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 really want to buy dying remains, but an original copy is like 200 you know 200 bucks or whatever it is. And so that's when I went to the label and I said, let's reissue this thing and let's make it affordable for people because I I felt bad you know telling people like I'm sorry I don't have any copies to sell you uh but I really don't want you to pay you know 150 pounds or 200 US dollars for a record. I just think that's ridiculous. Yeah. So um, I agree with you. I, I think the pricing and I think. And I think it's just because they can. I don't think it's really yeah. – yeah. I don't think that it's that, that they, they don't want to reduce the ticket prices. I think it's just that they can do it, and that's why they want to do it.
0: And people yeah. will pay it, and those stadiums will be full of people.
1: Yeah. So... Yeah. Not me. I, I won't oh, do no. that. <laughs> me, no,
2: me, neither. <laughs> me neither. So, yeah, just to touch, because you mentioned um, um, Dying Remains there turned 30
1: what, last yeah, year. Yeah, last year. How does that feel? Man – Makes me feel old (laughs) a little, a little bit, a little bit. Um, I don't know, man. It's like, you know, I'm 57 and I just look back at that record and I, and I've had a lot of fans say like, oh, can you write, you know, can you, you know, the next record, can you write like a Dying Remains record? And it's like, well, no, we can't because I'm not in that frame mind anymore. It's been 30 years. I'm a different person. Um, I've evolved as a musician. I've evolved, you know, just as a human being. Uh, I'm not in that same spot, so it's really hard to kind of transport yourself back and go, hey, what was I thinking then, or what did I do? But I will say this much, the anniversary, it's cool. It's really cool, man. It's like, you know, how many, I mean, I know there's a lot of bands out there, but how many bands can say that you have that one cult record that, or that, you know, diehard fan record that everybody's either heard or, you know, people want, or it just, it just, it's one of our it's one of our best sellers it still sells records today so i mean it, oh. it moves really well
2: yeah that's got to feel good yeah and with yeah 30, and- well i guess more than 30 years of experience under the belt what would you say to that band you know the, the the version of you that recorded that album way back then anything that you'd any pearls of wisdom you'd pass on to that young man
1: oh god yeah i would say i would have said get an education first <laughs> <laughs> get an education Get something under your belt so that way if you know because i've always put my eggs into one basket and that was this band and uh you know I've, I've been you know like like many other uh people in other death metal bands that have been around for the same period of time you know you struggle you struggle a lot mm-hmm. that that whole um moniker of starving artist is very true <laughs> um there have been a lot a of, lot of months and years where you know i didn't have two nickels to rub together and uh you know you know, struggling to pay my car payment and keep up on my child support at the time and whatever have you, you know, put food on the table, make the rent, you know. So uh, I would go back and I would tell that person, like, get something, get something, get something in your toolbox. So that way if down the road, if things don't work out or, you know, you really need to pay the rent, you have something, you have a skill behind you to do something, you know. Or I would have told myself to stop screwing around and really pay attention to the music lessons that I was taking because I'm, I'm in I am an impatient person. So <laughs> I, I really, I really am. When I first started playing guitar, if I couldn't get something, I was like, screw this, forget it. I'm done. I'm moving on to something else. Anything that was difficult for me. And I, and I don't know why it's just, it's just how I was. I think what it was, was it was an immediacy thing. I wanted to play it and I wanted to play it now. And I didn't want to take the, the six months To learn how to play it to get to that point. So I would probably tell myself that, too, is maybe to have a little bit more patience, uh, maybe buckle down uh, on the, uh, you know, maybe learn a little bit more music theory and stuff like that. Because then what I could be doing now is I could use that towards my advantage and maybe, you know, writing a soundtrack or playing on a soundtrack or, you know what I mean? I could have used it to make money in those aspects, but right. I'd probably say, yeah, I'd probably say buckle down in music or, or, or get an education first. That's what I would have said to
0: myself. Okay. What, um, okay. what, what, what came first then playing the guitar or, or, or listening to metal, which influenced the other when you were oh, listening
1: to metal first.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh dude, I can't tell you how many times man in high school we, I, I live two blocks from my high school. So, uh, I cut out, I cut out of class every chance I could. It, it, it's awful to say, uh, but I'd cut out, I'd cut out of school and I'd go home and I'd put on a record and accept balls to the wall or wrestler oh. or riot, <laughs> restless breed or saxon and denim and leather, or, Oh my God. I just, I was young. I, all I wanted to do was be a musician. I had nothing. I didn't want to be a lawyer. I not want to be a doctor. I don't want to be nothing else. I want to be a musician. That would that's something I've always dreamed of doing. And when I wasn't in school or when I was cutting out, I'd be sitting there with a a beer or a pint, kicking back. And you know, 16 years old, I'm in my bedroom, locking the doors. My mom, hopefully, my mom didn't come in and find me. Uh, you know, listening to the stuff and just yeah, I just I just love music so much. And um, the 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 uh, the Ozzy was like my first big inspiration that really made me want to sing. Uh, or be a vocalist, and then Randy Rhodes, you know, oh, my God, I want to be like this guy. But, yeah, I did not want to put in the time to be like that guy. So when I stumbled on to death leprosy, I was like, this is it. This is it. I can do this. I can play like that. I know I can. And that, that's what really, really sparked that. I, it was done after that. As soon as I had that leprosy tape in my hand, it was. I was. I it was done. I was over. I'm like, this is it. This is what I want to
0: do.
2: Yeah. All of available. that, everything you've just talked about there has led to this point where you've just dropped a fantastic <laughs> new album. Yeah, I'm, you're living the dream, man. Yeah, yeah. It's, I don't
1: feel like it though. I don't feel like I <laughs> though sometimes. Yeah, be careful, really don't. Be careful what like,
2: you wish for, right?
1: That's the oh man, that has been the moniker for the past like six weeks now. I'm like, because I remember when this first started, I remember I'm like. Uh, when when we first started the campaign, I was like, huh I'm like I really don't I don't know man I don't really see like it's you know and and then all of a sudden every weekend I think for the past four weekends I've been sitting in in my man cave like this speaking with people like yourself going over the interviews and interviews and like yesterday I think yeah well yesterday I had five so I had five yesterday so uh yeah that's, that's kind of like, good wow, like sign. that's a good sign though. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And then like the week before, I think I had four and, and then, and, and, and then, you know, today I have one. And so, I mean, it, yeah, it's, it, it definitely is a good sign. And I'm thinking like, wow, man, did we just hit pay dirt with this record? Cause it, I mean, the reviews too, everybody's just been so amazing. And just the feedback has been so good. I'm just, I'm a little overwhelmed right now. And like I was saying, I don't feel like I'm living the dream. And so I don't, maybe I should pinch myself or sock myself once and see, see you know, see, see if I wake up
2: made the point earlier when you talked about, I guess, you know, there is another side to all that, another side to it, though, which is just the, you know, all the hard work that that goes into it, you know, the time, the energy, the effort, everything that's kind of, you know, might stress you out during the day, you know, all for that moment where you're either on stage or in the studio recording those songs. But, you know, the reality is it's not all that moment. There's a lot, a lot of sacrifice that goes into it as well. So, you know, that's, that's the reality oh. of it really, isn't it?
1: Oh yeah. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. It's like, you know like if the fans could you know if like let this is kind of stupid but let's say let's say i was on a reality show or something and the cameras are on I me mean, like fans would like really like is this what he, i mean seriously like i mean i spend so much time here in the man cave and and i got my my amp set up next to me i got my guitars and i mean there's so much time that just goes into it and not even that but even like uh like at work uh you know i i have a day job and at work, I remember this last week. I was getting so stressed and frustrated because I had all these, I had all these, um, these outside uh, uh, interviewers that wanted to interview me. And I'm literally like between that and then talking to the publicists and trying to get everything set up. And I'm like, dude, you're trying to work a day job here, and I'm literally handling all the business for the band on top of it during that time. And mm-hmm. it, yeah, it, it just got me a little frustrated. and I had to just. Yeah step back and breathe a little bit and just go, it's going to be okay. This, this is what you wanted. You got it. Shut up and move forward.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The the, the whole, the whole balance between, like you say, day job and, and being in a band, I think that's, you know, back in the day, in the nineties, were you, were you full-time Mortis Gold or were you sort of day job in it back then as well? Did you ever go full-time?
1: It it it? it, kind of went, it kind of went and came. Um, like there would be a lot like there would be i don't know i you know back in the 90s i was i was in and out of jobs i mean i, I still am you know a lot of a lot of jobs don't let you go to tour um so when you when it comes at time you know like like in the last five years i've had to switch like jobs like three times um due to that uh but back in the 90s it was it was it was a lot easier though it was a lot easier because well the cost of living wasn't as bad um i mean i remember like a buddy of mine. We would, um, th- this, this guy was a character, I'll tell you. And, um, he would, he come over to my house and be like, all right, I don't have any money. You got any money? I like, no, I don't have any money. All right. So he would, he would go and he would hit up these, I, I don't agree with what he did, but he'd go up and he'd hit up these women, the, these girls that had a crush on him. And he'd be like, yeah, can you give me five bucks? You know, whatever. So we drive around, I drop him off at these houses, whatever he come out He come out with like 15 bucks, <laughs> 15 bucks. And we would literally put $5 in the gas tank, $10 for beer, and we were set for the rest of the night.
2: Oh, like man. $15.
1: Yeah. yeah, it was like <laughs> ridiculous. So I think it was just easier back then um, to make a living. Um, I know there for a while, I was just doing the band and we were like selling our you know cassette tapes. And we'd sell easily 100, 150 cassette tapes at a show in one, one swipe, you know? So, I mean, it, it, it was a lot easier back then, but I did, I did have day, I did have my day jobs, you know, here and there. And then once, man, I I made, I made the foolish mistake of getting married to the wrong person. And we had a kid. And then once that happened, it was like immediate divorce. And next thing you know, what I'm up to my ears and bills. So then it was like, oh, got to, got to get the job, got to get the job to pay the lawyers and pay all the fees and everything. So, but I have had jobs, you know, in and out and, you know, throughout my, my, my career of being a musician. Um, I would say though, early, earlier in the nineties, it was more full-time musician than job. And -hmm. now it's like, I got the full-time job and I kind of, you know, we, we, you know, we fit the band in, you know, pretty much where we can.
2: Right. Yeah. And it's you know, you're talking about stress there. I mean, uh, and i were talking about this the other night you know and the beautiful thing about the metal scene is it's it's the thing that gets us through those moments it's what we keep yeah. coming back to you know it just keeps driving us through those times when it's tough it's hard you know there's debts there's whatever else might be going on stresses sure. relationships um always comes back to metal though you know it fuels us for the next challenge it's oh exactly absolutely
1: that. i mean
0: yeah, exactly that
1: yeah even even as a, even as a uh like i mentioned you before as a young teen i i grew up in a Oh man, I grew up in a really awful household. Just a lot of abuse going on, um, pretty much my whole whole life, pretty much. Uh, and music was an escape. It was an escape for me. You know, I could put the record on, put the headphones on, and really get into the music. And it was like, it, it, and he, and he, and I was even working. I remember when I, when I was in high school, all through high school, I worked too. And I was working in this restaurant. And I'll never forget it. In my senior year, they were like, "Hey, we got a work release program, so." You would go to school half a day, and then the other half a day, you would go to a job. I already had the job, so they were nice enough to say, hey, will you come in the morning and you vacuum the floors. No problem. I put on the old, you know, the 90s Walkman, put in my cassette tape, put the headphones on, vacuum away, and didn't have a care in the world, man. That's what I loved about the 90s. Didn't have a care in the world. It was all about the music, and you lived it and breathed it, and uh, it was some really good times, you know. But even now, I use it as a therapy. You know, I come on that one riff, or I walk away from rehearsal. This one riff, and you go home and you go, man, that is such a cool riff. And then it really inspires you to create that next riff, and then the next riff, and it just kind of has this never-ending, this never-ending cycle.
0: It's the perfect catharsis, in it? Friday night, a couple of nights ago, we went to see. Uh, it was our first, well, my first show this year, when see Suffocation and Sugarbog, and come out of that show and it's just like had oh, suddenly I just feel better. I've had that now I've had that sort of fix that you know I've been missed this for yeah, I was. Three months. Feels good.
1: I was just talking to Terrence via social media not long ago, man. So uh great band. Great band. Love that guy too, man. they their new album's really good.
0: Yeah they they were fucking incredible yeah. to be fair. Mm-hmm. Oh, I
1: believe it, man. They bring fire, it. Yeah. They they bring it. They're no joke.
0: <laughs> yeah. They're, they're another one that I'm new to and I thought that Bean was going anyway, so fuck it. I'll come along for the ride. And yeah, they were absolutely fucking savage. They really nice.
2: Were. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we and, just and again,
0: a- like, you know, another band that have been doing it for thirty plus years, and and they're still fucking delivering it, and they're delivering yeah. it so hard. You know, you
1: can't. I you just can't man, I'll it. never forget. It was oh man, was it ninety six? It was ninety six or ninety seven. I can't remember. And we were playing the Milwaukee Battlefest, and somehow I do not know how this happened but suffocation was going on right before us. And I was like, no fucking way. Are you kidding me, dude? You're going to do that to me? I, I looked at the promoter. I said, How, why, why, what did I do to you? I said, seriously? And he's like, you'll be fine, you know. So I'll never forget it because uh, Frank and I uh, were really good friends at that point. We were, you know, writing each other and all that. Unfortunately, we've, we've drifted out of communication over the years. But the common thread that we both had was we both – got married and had a kid and he had a kid at the same time. So that was kind of a common thread for us, but I'll never forget it. I'm on the side of the stage and I'm just shaking my head and, <laughs> and, 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 and the, I'm, looking, I'm going, God, this is going to suck. I'm like, how do we follow this? Right. And he comes off the stage and he looks at me. He goes, Hey, you're up. Shoves a microphone in my chest. He goes, your turn. And I'm like, seriously, man. I go, how do you expect this to fall? He goes, ah, shut up. You'll be fine. And I'm just like, man, I was like, damn it, you know? But we went out there, we did fine, but still it was like, oh man, you're putting us on after those guys? Thank you.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's (laughs) an an intimidating prospect.
1: Oh, it was real intimidating because those guys are stupidly good, man. It's like, man, really? You're going to do this to me? That'd be like, that'd be like, you know, well, Slayer's going to go on before you and then you can go on afterwards. Like, oh, okay, thanks. That's going to go over real well, you know?
0: Yeah. Uh, he's, he's fucking good. Look, one, one last thing. Um, you know, you like you keep saying you've been doing this for many years. You say yeah. you're 57. I don't believe for a yeah. minute you're 57. Fuck that. Oh, thank you. Um, but um, what what do you want to achieve now? This album's out. What do you actually want to do over the next few years? Do you want to just keep going, and or just sort of see how it how it kind of pans out?
1: Yeah, you know, honestly, what, what I mean, what I would love to happen, um, is I'd love for us to uh do the uh you know, do Europe or the UK festivals more. Um, so I'm, I'm really hoping that that, uh, comes to fruition. Um, I would love that. I would love to, uh, see us do, uh, you know, maybe, maybe get on with a regular full blown tour would be nice. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, it's just something it, it, it you know, it's, it's so hard to predict or, you know, cause you know, the time, the, the, the times and climate we're in, it just keeps changing. So it just depends on really if, uh, you know, if, if the good Lord allows me to do it, which is great, I'll keep doing it. Um, but I would, I'd really love to get on like some kind of festival circuit, uh, over in Europe would be great. Or even, or even, a, even, a, even a tour over in Europe would be awesome. Um, you know, we, we were supposed to do one right before, you know, the pandemic hit, we were supposed to do one and then everything just kind of, you know, went, uh, went to heck, you know, and it was like, oh man, you know, and you know, a couple of, you know, a couple of countries are like, oh, if you get sick, you can't go home. And we were like, oh, geez, that's not good. <laughs> you know, so when a little intimidating. Back it,
0: when you look back on it, it just seems fucking crazy, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it, it, it really, it really does. And, and like I said, when we came over last year to UK, it was just amazing. Like you, you could just tell that people were really starved to see just death metal bands. And I mean, yep. maybe even Nuclear Assault was there, too. I mean those guys were just phenomenal and that was their last show. I was so lucky because I had seen them or, or 32 32 or 33 years prior to this before wow. I was even a musician or even in a band. I was I had a friend of a friend that knew them and we went and saw them. They were they played Wisconsin and we went and saw them. And I remember getting in good with the band and they wanted to, they wanted me to be their roadie. And I'll never forget, I think it was like 19, and I was so scared of going on the road. And, you know, it was just, it was a foreign process to me at the time. And I was like, oh, I'm really scared. I'm like, I can't do this, man, you know. And then meeting up with uh, John Conley, literally 30-some years later, and I'm watching them. I'm on the side of the stage, and I'm watching these guys, and I'm going, this is, this is fucking amazing. And the cool part about it was, he's on stage. And he's kind of jumping. I mean, that guy. He's sixty. He's sixty, and he's jumping around like a madman. Like I'm like, this guy's got energy. So he he's playing, and he kind of looks at me, and he kind of nods his head. I'm like, what's this guy nodding to? And on the side, and on on the riser, they're like cans. I don't know if they were beer, seltzer water. Don't know what they were, because um, you know it was UK brand, so I, I wasn't familiar with it. I, I think it might have been seltzer water. But anyways, and he's nodding like he wants a drink. I'm like, and he kind of keeps motioning for me to come out. And I'm like, what? Like, you want me to come out there? And he's like, yeah. So, Because he even took a party. He goes, hey, give me a drink. So I literally went out on stage while they're in mid-song, cracked open a beverage, and he leaned back. And I'm just feeding him this beverage while he's still playing. (laughs) And I was like, dude, that was so amazing. So when they were done, I literally, I I said, John, I, I know you probably don't remember me. It's been like 35 years, this and that. I said, man, and we just we just hit it off and we just started talking about all kinds of stuff. And that was probably that was one of the highlight bands. Uh, between that and uh Carl, formerly a boat thrower of Memorium. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Another one. They played here, they played in Sheboygan, which is probably about an hour north of me here, hour and a half. And I'll never forget it. It was in like Jan- January, February. I think it was 91, maybe 92 ish and Thrower was playing. And it was this, uh, a club called Croatian hall. So it was this older church that was turned into a venue and it was a real hot spot. I mean, we would play there by ourselves locally with a couple of local bands and drawing like three, 400 people, like with minimal effort. And so both throwers playing and I'm like, Oh man, I, I and, and Carl and I have been conversing through the mail for years. So I was like, I got to get up there. I got to get up there. So I'll never forget it. I come in, and he's on stage mid-song, and he sees me. He's like, oh, Dave, mate. Oh, yeah, come on. I mean, totally not even singing the lyrics to the song, and he's literally talking to me and telling me to come up to the stage and get back there and all that stuff and having a conversation while he's on the microphone and having a conversation with me. Um, and so we, we took this picture it kind of looks like, uh, and it's a really old picture. And, it, and when I look at it now, it looks like I kind of have a crush on him. Some I'm kind of like leaning on him.
2: Like, oh, <laughs> you know?
1: It's so weird. So when I found out for the UK death fest, and this was weird, they were supposed to play where we were playing and we were supposed to play where they were playing, but somehow something got mixed up and it got reversed. So when I found out, and I think it was like 6 PM or something that they were supposed to go on at this club. So I, I'm literally scrambling from watching nuclear assault running down the street you know, in england not knowing where i'm at uh, find the venue run in the venue i literally try to i mean in the crowd it's so many people i'm like kind of fighting the crowd to get up to the front i get up to the front and he's like oh hey what's hey come on same thing same thing so 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 we're, we're backstage he's got no shirt on he's sweaty I'm sweating this and we took this really weird like just the the, the weird look on our mugs is just hilarious. It's kinda of like cheese, you know, and, and so that was another one for me was just getting a picture uh with him again after so many years. Um and just, just admiring these guys for what they do and it was just man, yeah. the blast. I'll never I'll never forget that show.
0: And that's why that, we that's do it. it. yep. Memories like that. Look, it's been um it's been an absolute fucking Blast having you on here, it really has. It's been, you know, great stories. The album's out. The album's out now. Operation Undone. If you're a fan of death metal and you're not familiar with Mortar Skull like I wasn't six months ago, go and check <laughs> it out because it is an absolute fucking belt. It really is. It's, it's going to be one of the best death metal albums out this year. I can see. Oh, so thank you. Just fucking yeah, just it's, go it's and a get ripper. involved. You know, yeah, yeah. Get involved. It's 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 a fucking must. So it's out on vinyl as well, isn't it?
1: Yes, yeah. There's a there's a black and a green, black and green, and then CD, and then
0: Spotify, and all the good outlets. All that, all that shit. You gotta have clear, you've gotta have colored vinyl these days. It's like black. Oh, is like, you know,
1: it's, it's a must. Yeah. Oh, I know. I like. I I feel like I begged the label, like, come on, please, please, can we have a colored vinyl? And they were like, I don't know, man. You know, that costs money, and we're just like, oh, come on, you know. So we, uh, it, it was funny because he sent me like a little mock layout of the different colors we could pick, and we were like, oh man, which color really goes well with the cover. And so we, so, so the album is kind of like a, kind of like a, a, a dark green and it just, it yeah. just looks killer. And we, we got our copies like a couple weeks ago and uh, we, we threw that vinyl on after a rehearsal and we're like, wow, yeah. like it just sounds so good. So yeah, it's green. Yeah. You have green, black, whatever, whatever one, you know,
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, gonna prefers. That. I'm, I'm going to go and pick that up. It's uh yeah. Yeah. hundred um, percent. Yeah. Again, thank you so much for coming on. I hope everything goes well for the next, you know, for the next year and everything works out for you guys and hopefully it'll be great to see you in the UK at some point. Cause...
1: Absolutely. I really nice. appreciate you guys, man. It's been a blast. Um, I thank you for taking your time out on Sunday um, and absolutely please. Yeah. It, I mean, hopefully the stars will align and I'll be able, we'll be able to come over to UK and then we can have a couple of pints together.
0: But... Uh, we'll be there. We'll Amen. be there. awesome. I look Amen. forward to it. All right. Um, yeah, that's 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 it for this week. Um, we'll be back again next week at some point. Again, as per usual, don't fucking know what because that's the way <laughs> we do it. But um, we will be back in a week or so. And until that point, thanks for listening and uh, stay metal.